0: Her, I nicknamed her Puddin', and then I changed to Pud, and and it's a long story. But anyway, and then he laughs and goes, Pud? And she gives him this look, and she goes, that man right there is the only person who can call me that. <laughs> that, that used to be a big thing, and, and, and I guess it still is, even when I don't think about it. Um. But it's funny how our names, our nicknames, it shapes who we are, shapes our identity. This week, this week, I had the blessing to be at camp with a bunch of our teens and young people and adults. And I want to tell you, before I go any further, you should be proud. I was proud. I was proud to say that I was with these people, not because of anything I did, just because they make you proud. I mean, the last day, we're having, uh, they do the awards, and they give out awards for uh, uh, outstanding campers or outstanding Bible class participants or, or, or stuff like that, and I mean, Huntsville was bringing home the hardware, y'all. I mean, one after another, and, and you should be, that, they deserve it. You should be very, very proud of them. Your young people uh, uh, very much represented you very, very well. Um, and, and in addition to that, we had uh, Evie Ewing and Jose Estrada uh, were baptized into Christ. That's okay. Evie, stand up. <laughs> Jose's not here, so I'll embarrass him another time. But uh, that, that was a big deal. It was, it was an awesome week. And uh, I don't know how your week was, but ours was pretty awesome. Um, and, and, and this week we were studying, our theme was fingerprint. And it, the, the idea was our, our fingerprint is, is our identity. And, and that's one of the ways that we determine our identity. And we were talking about our, our not just our identity, but our identity in Christ. And we were doing that through the story of the life of Peter. Now, I love Peter. Peter is, is one of my boys. Because Peter reminds me of me, right? I mean, Peter's just a guy. He doesn't have any education. He doesn't have any pedigree. He's not the the Pharisee of Pharisees like Paul. He's just an old redneck fisherman. I don't know if he was redneck. Hebrews can be redneck. But you get the idea. Go with me. I I identify with Peter because he's just a normal guy. He's he's just uh, fishing on a boat with with his brother. They got this little fishing business happening. That's how he sees his life playing out. He's going to be a fisherman, he's going to run his little business, he's going to go to the temple when he's supposed to, he's going to do what he's supposed to, his life is all planned out, and in his mind, if you ask Peter at the beginning, what is your identity, that's how he would have answered you. But Peter's a guy who has his identity changed. His identity is totally made over, but truthfully, it's not really that simple. Because Jesus doesn't give nicknames, right? Jesus is not giving Peter a nickname. He does give new names. And that's something God does all throughout Scripture. God likes to give new names. He calls Abram Abraham. He calls Jacob Israel. He, you know, over and over and over throughout Scripture, God likes to give new names. But it's not really given a nickname as much as it is fulfilling an identity, a changing an identity. Jesus is, is revealing to Simon His true identity in Christ. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. And, and if you read through that, Peter's brother, Andrew, has has started following Jesus. He is one of the first ones. He was a follower of of John the Baptist, and and he starts following Jesus. And and John says this in, in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He's saying, it's the anointed one. It's the one Israel's been waiting for, for thousands of years. This is the culmination of Israel's hope. Andrew is saying to his brother, we've found him, you've got to come see him. And so he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which in the Greek is Petros, Peter, the rock. Now, I was telling kids this week, Jesus is the absolute coolest person you'll ever meet. And and if you don't believe that, you just read this because nobody else could get away with this. Nobody else could walk up to you for the first time and go, you know, Hi, Brent. Brent, your name's Brent? Well, it's not Brent anymore. I'm going to call you Rock. That, that doesn't work. I couldn't get away with that, right? Jesus says, hi, your name's Simon. Uh, that's a good name. I'm sure you've enjoyed it most of your life, but that's not your name anymore. From now on, you're going to be the rock, not the wrestler. You're going to be the rock. And Peter's like, oh, okay, I guess. It just doesn't work that way for the rest of us. He's not saying, though, I'm giving you a nickname. I'm not just going to, to, to change you a little bit. I'm not just going to change the outside. I'm not going to just shave off the rough edges. What I'm going to do is make you completely new. I'm going to make you into what I see you can be. You're going to be born again. You're going to start over. You're not going to be the same thing you are now. You're going to have a new identity, but it's not new. It's your true identity. It's the identity that God has seen for you from the beginning. And Peter starts to grow into that identity. I love Peter because Peter is the impetuous one, right? Peter is the the hothead. Peter is the mouth. You see, what we're starting to see why I identify with him, right? Peter is the mouth. Peter is the one that, uh, uh, if somebody's gonna blurt out something inappropriate, it's gonna be Peter, right? He's the one who says what everybody else is thinking. He is the first one there charging in blindly. He's also the first one to run away and, and hide. He's the guy with the big talk until the chips are down and then he's nowhere to be found. That's Peter. He's also the guy, though, who jumps out of the boat. We give Peter a hard time, but but Peter walked on water. We forget that part. It wasn't much, but it was more than the other 11 guys in that boat. Peter's the only one who stepped out. Lord, if it's really you, you call me and I'll come to you. And he says, come on, and Peter does. And the other guys stay in the safety of the boat because that's nuts to get out and walk on water. But Peter does it. He's the only one who gets out of the boat. He's the guy that God tells to be quiet. You ever been called out in class? I I have. You see why I identify with Peter. I know it's hard to believe, but I would get called out for talking a lot. Peter gets called out by God. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and here they are, and Moses and Elijah appear, and, and it's like the Avengers, Marvel, Superheroes, World, uh, whatever, the biggest thing you can think of. And, and they're meeting them, and, and Peter is just running off at the mouth. He's so excited. Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm going to build a temple for you, and I'm going to build a temple for him, I'm going to build a temple for him. We're just going to stay here. We're just going to worship. And this voice comes out and says, this one's my son. Talk about getting called down in class. You need to be quiet and listen to him. Peter gets called out. If that's not bad enough, the Son of God calls him Satan. Can you imagine? Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, do you see this? You're going to chastise Jesus. Jesus says, "The Son of Man is going to be killed, He's going to be buried." and in three days, and Peter says, "Hey, come here, Jesus, let me holler at you. Let's, let's come over here, let's talk, because you're, you're, you are way out of line here. You need to settle down with all this death talk, okay? We're not going to have much of a revolution if you keep this up. And Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about the things of God, you're thinking about the things of men. And then Peter sifted. That, that word just gives me chills. Peter is sifted. His faith is shaken to its very core. Later on in 1 Peter, he's going to talk about the testing of your faith and, and how it, it, is, it is tested by fire. And when he's doing that, he knows what he's talking about because he's been there. Peter is told at the Last Supper that Satan's coming for him. Can you imagine? Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now in this moment, they had just been arguing about who was the greatest. Which one of them was the greatest apostle? It's me, obviously, because I was on the hill with him. I met, did you meet Moses? No, you didn't meet Moses. I am the greatest apostle. And and they're having this argument and Jesus steps in and says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Now, that scares me to death. It gives me hope, too, because Satan's a dog on a leash. He can't do anything without asking permission. But it still scares me. Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And when Jesus is being tried, Peter crashes and burns. That's when the sifting comes. Peter is, is following at a distance, and the, 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 the people are carrying Jesus, and they, they carry him into the high priest's house, and Peter stands out in the courtyard with everybody else around the fire. You know this story, right? And 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 Peter is out there, kind of kind of hovering around, trying to stay in the shadows. But it's cold, and he gets up next to the fire. And and one of the servant girls says, "Hey, hey, hey! You were with him." Uh uh-uh, uh I don't know what you're talking about, lady. You leave me alone. So he goes over here, and he kind of hangs out in the sh- in the shadows. And then later, one of them says, "You're you're you're one you." You're one of them. You you know, you you, you were with him. I don't know what you're talking about. Then about an hour later, he's still hanging out there. And what happens? They they, they say again, you've got to be one of them because you're a Galilean. And this time he curses. I don't know what you're talking about. And the rooster crows. Gives me chills. The rooster crows, and and get that last line right there, verse 61. The rooster crows, and there's this trial going on up here, right? There's this trial where Jesus is being accused. Jesus is being threatened with beating, with torture, with death. And you know what Jesus is worried about? He's worried about Peter. All this is going on up here, and he stops what's happening and turns and looks at him. Can you imagine that eye contact right there? It breaks your heart, it breaks my heart, to know that the moment I fail, he's going to look right at me. Not a, a this kind of look. The the I I told you it was coming. Listen, not that kind of look. That look. If the story ended right there, it would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. Maybe it would be a cautionary tale that we would tell about how not to follow Jesus, but his failure didn't end there. Less than two months from the time of that denial, less than two months after those bitter tears when he claims that he doesn't even know who Jesus is, Peter stands up in front of all Jerusalem and says, Men and brethren, this Jesus that you killed... God has made both Lord and Christ. There is not a worse thing, there is not a more offensive thing you can say to a Jew than you killed the Messiah. This person that you've been waiting for for thousands of years, this hero that God is going to send to you, God's plan came down from heaven and you killed Him. When they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're not asking, uh, can you please tell us how to respond to the gospel? That's not what they're saying. They're saying, oh my word, what have we done? We have killed the Messiah. And Peter, Peter, Mr. Hyde in a locked room, says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. What changed? What changed? Later he's going to heal a a, a man. And and, and they're going to call him in in to to stand before the Sanhedrin. He's going to be in, in front of the same guys who killed Jesus. And he's gonna stand up in this temple in front of these people where there are temple guards, you know, those people that have armed, that have weapons and they're supposed to keep the riffraff out. He's gonna stand there and say, Your leaders acted in ignorance. Where did this guy come from, right? What changed? Well, it's real simple. The resurrection of Jesus happened. The resurrection of Jesus, you see. Peter, after the death of Jesus, is remorseful. He's full of grief. He's full of pain. He's beating himself up for his failure. And so what does he do? When going gets tough, the tough go fishing. And that's what he did. He went back to what he always knew. That's what we do when when we get overwhelmed in, in our walk of faith. We go back to what we always knew because that's that's comfortable and it's safe and so he went back to fishing John chapter 21 tells this story they're out fishing Jesus Peter says I'm going fishing y'all can do whatever you want to and the rest of them say well we're going to go with you might as well it's as safe out there as it is in a locked room and they get out on the lake and they fish all night no luck nothing they're working so hard, throwing that net and pulling it in, throwing that net and pulling it in, throwing that net and pulling it in. They start taking off clothes. By the time morning comes, Peter's down to his underwear because he's just been working. It's hot. It's nasty. He's throwing that net and pulling it in, throwing that net and pulling it in. Nothing's happening, and it's like it's like everything that's been happening in their lives. It's I'm working hard. I'm doing all this stuff, and I got no reward. I got nothing happening. Nothing is happening. I'm just failing at one more thing. One more thing I failed at, and then there's a voice from the beach. Hey, you guys. Have having any luck no you know there's always that guy when you're fishing you hadn't caught anything there's always that one guy coming by you having any luck no stop asking (laughs) well why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat hey won't you let me be the fisherman but they do it right (laughs) they do it and they can't pull it in it's so full there's 11 guys in this boat. and They can't pull this thing in. And it clicks for John. John says, wait a minute, this has happened before. That, and Jesus, and he said, throw the net on the other, you remember, and fished all night. We didn't catch, and then we threw. And then, Peter, it's the Lord. And I love this, because Peter can't handle it anymore. He throws on his outer garment. He jumps out of that boat. It says they're 100 yards out. He swims 100 yards in his clothes. You think he's not excited? You think he's not jacked up? See, this is not the first time Jesus has appeared. You get that, right? He appeared to him in the empty room. He showed up and said, what's up, guys? That's shalom, peace be with you. That's like a Jewish way of saying what's up, guys. So, it, But he appears to him, but he never says a word to Peter. You don't think that wasn't awkward? Think about if you betrayed your best friend, if you threw your best friend under the worst bus you could throw him under, and you show up in the same room, and they don't even talk to you. You don't think that wasn't awkward? And Peter can't handle it anymore. He swims all the way to shore, and he gets there, and I told you, what I tell you, Jesus is the coolest guy you'll ever meet, because he gets there, and what's happening? Jesus is cooking breakfast. He got a little fire going, a little fish in a pan. Don't say a word, cooking a little fish, maybe a little olive oil, a little salt and pepper. He says, go get some of those fish you just caught. You don't think Peter's jacked up? Remember that net they couldn't pull in all 11 of them? Peter hauls it to shore by himself. <laughs> you think there wasn't some adrenaline pepping right there? He holds that whole thing on shore by himself. And they cook a little breakfast, and it's quiet. Now, Peter is a Jew. He's grown up a Jew. He's grown up going to church and, and reading the Old Testament verses like Proverbs 19:5 that say a false witness will not go unpunished. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house, Psalm 101. He sung the psalms That's the songs they sang in the the temple, right? He sung the Psalms, and songs like Psalm 55 that says, For it's not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolent with me, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. That's a song about betrayal. Peter's grown up hearing all that. What do you think he thinks is going to happen? You have betrayed the Son of God, and now you're sitting on a beach. He thinks he's fixing to get smited. I know, Laverne, that's not a word. But it should be. He think because smitten sounds like they're falling in love. He's fixing to get smited. That's what he that's what I would be thinking. And the awkwardness and the breakfast is cooking and everything's quiet and none of the rest of them are going to say a word. I ain't getting off into this. That's Peter's problem. And they just sit there and Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Silence. Maybe breaking off a piece of fish, passing it around. Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, I don't know if the these was the fish. Or, or the other apostles. But do you love me more than these? Lord, you you know I love you. Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? And, and the Bible says at this point he was grieved. That means it broke his heart. And he says, Lord, you know everything. Stop asking me this. I love you. You know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And then, you know what he says to him? Look at John 21. The last thing that he says to Peter is the same thing as the first thing he said to Peter. Follow me. Follow me. This is beautiful. This is, this is breathtaking. This is, this, is, this is gospel, y'all. This is good news. This is, this is being born again. That's what Peter's gonna say when he's writing to the new church in, in, in 1 Peter. First Peter one, three, he's gonna say, Blessed be the Lord be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. Now in Christianity that's gotten a bad rap, and we hear born again Christians, and we know that those are the crazy people that you don't mess with. But but that's not what that means. There's it, it's redundant. there's no such thing as a Christian that hasn't been born again. We put those together, but that doesn't doesn't mean anything. There's no such thing as a non-born-again Christian. Born-again Christianity is redundantly redundant. You're a Christian if you're born again, and if you're born again, you're a Christian. It's saying the same thing. Because this is gospel. This is what it's all about. God is not giving us a nickname. God is not not shaving off the rough edges. God is not interested in making good people better. God is not interested in making bad people good. God is interested in making dead people alive. Because that's who we are. We are dead in our transgressions. That's what Paul's going to say. We're dead. We have no hope. We have nothing. And God is going to make us alive through Jesus Christ. We are going to be born again. That is good news. That's gospel. I grew up with a gospel that sounded more like good advice than good news. You know what I mean? The gospel was, you're supposed to look this way. You're supposed to dress this way. You're supposed to act this way. And if you do all that, then maybe, just maybe, you'll get your ticket punched and you can get in and get, get into heaven. That's not good news. That's not good news. When I read the words of Jesus, it, when I read this letter of Peter to these churches, Peter's starting out with no, no, no. The gospel, the good news, the declaration, the announcement is about what Jesus has done, not about what I've done. If it's about what I've done, it's not good news. This Peter is born to a new identity. He's born again. He is now no longer Simon the son of John. He is the rock. He is Cephas. He is Peter. And he's going to tell these people, you are being born again too. You have a new identity. You're not part of this world anymore. You're aliens. You're strangers, you're sojourners, you're something else, you don't belong here. We were talking about this in Bible class at camp, and I asked them why they didn't bring their winter clothes with them. You didn't bring your coat, you didn't bring your toboggan, any of that stuff. And, and, and you know, I got 13 year olds, and they're like, well, c- duh, because it's hot. And I said, but that's because you're not planning on being here in the winter, are you? Because this ain't home. You don't live here. That's what Peter's saying. This, you don't live here. This ain't home. Quit treating it like it is. You've got to be born again. The purpose of 1 Peter is that we've got to be born again. We, we're going to be something different. We're going to be aliens, strangers, a new creation. That's what we're being called to. That doesn't just happen at camp. That happens in life. We're going to start calling you into that journey this week and and over the weeks to come. Starting in a few weeks, we're going to start talking about what real commitment looks like. We're going to, to, if if this church is ready to stop playing church, amen? I hope so, because we're going to stop. We're going to stop playing church. We're going to stop doing country club religion. We're going to be real. We're going to be committed. And we're going to make a difference in this community for the cause of Christ. Because we don't belong here. We're aliens. We're strangers. We're going to talk about stepping out in faith and believing God that that He has monumental things prepared for the Huntsville Church of Christ. And we're going to start talking about how you and I can be part of that movement of God. Then in a few weeks, we're going to ask you to commit to a small group. And and some of you freak out when you hear that. Don't freak out. Small group just means that you learn more about people being in a group together than you do looking at the back of their head on Sunday morning. And and, and so this is important because this gets us ready to face the rest of the week. But, But what binds a body together is sharing life with one another and being involved in each other's lives, and being a people of prayer, and being a people that love each other deeply with an abiding affection. And we're going to do that. Whether that means you meet up here on Sunday afternoon and have worship, whether that means you meet in somebody's home, whether that means you meet on a Tuesday night, it doesn't matter. We're going to come together in small groups, in a variety of locations and days and times, whatever works for you and your schedule, and we're going to do life together. See, we're throwing out country club religion. And we're going we're to commit that being a, being a Christian isn't just about one hour, one day a week. It, it's about being living sacrifices. We're going to begin to pray together in earnest. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Huntsville Church of Christ as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Huntsville, Texas as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in Jeff Dunn as it is in heaven. We're going to step out of our comfort zone and I hope you'll step with us. We're going to share in this new hope, in in, in this new birth, in this new life together. And and I want you to start praying for, for, for God to reveal to you your name, your true identity, who He wants you to be. And a lot of you are saying right now, well, I'm done, Jeff, I'm retired. I'm sorry, you've heard me say this before, Christianity has a great retirement plan, but it does not start till after your funeral. Ask Moses, he was 80 when God called him to lead the children of Israel out. Ask Nehemiah, he was 85 or 80 when when God called him to go rebuild the wall. So don't give me retired, that doesn't fly. There are a lot of you who have forgotten more Bible than I'll ever know. We need you, okay? We need you. I'm begging you to be part of this. There's a lot of you who hear me, you young people heard me say this all week, there is no age limit on the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that says you are any different of a Christian than me or anybody else. You have the same Spirit inside you when you become a member of uh, uh, of the body of Christ as I do. And so we want you to be a part of this and everybody in between. We're going to share in a new hope. God wants to give you a new name, but it's not a new name. In Revelation 3, He's going to say He's going to give you a name that only you know. Because it's your real name. It's your heavenly name. It's your identity in Christ Jesus. The way you find that, the way you take hold of that identity, is you take a step in faith. You step out in faith. Now, for some of you, you've never done that. You've never done the step. You've never stepped out and submitted publicly to Jesus Christ and and died to Him in baptism, been raised to a new life, been filled with the Spirit of God. There's no better day than today. There's no better time than right now. It may be that you did that a long time ago and you've forgotten what it's like. That's okay. Okay. Because when you see these young people putting on Christ, the reason we encourage them to do that where you can see it is because it relights that fire inside of you. We're going to be born again. We're going to be aliens. We're going to take a step and and find our identity in Christ Jesus. That's the call. Take that step. Start right now. Come while we stand and sing. My eyes are dry.